Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Transcendence Podcast. I'm G.O.D. And I'm Ray. And we're your hosts. Take a journey with us into the realms of some of humanity's most inner thoughts and theories about what lies before us and beyond the other side. Take a step back with us from the day-to-day heavy burdens of this constant evolving life. From awakening the collective, astrology, the spiritual divine, holistic health, shamanism, and quantum theory, to the frequencies and vibrations of our universe, history, religion, numerology, and so much more. We spend countless hours researching to bring you the breakdown of information from some of the greatest minds in these fields and even our own experiences. We're here to challenge your thoughts so that you can reshape your own minds and beliefs into ones that better serve you. We hope you enjoy the discussions about the supernatural and the ancient knowledge that we have become so fond of, and we wish to share with you so that it may also help you on your quest in this human experience we're living. Let the transcendence begin. Godspeed and share on. Like and subscribe to The Daily Transcendence on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. To show support for the show, we ask you to join us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and YouTube. There you can find more content, updates on new episodes, and more personal interactions from both Gio and I. We want to hear from you all and connect, so message us or email us at thedailytranscendence at gmail.com. As always, we entirely appreciate your support in allowing us to bring you this transmission. And welcome back. Welcome back. Very brand new episode been gone for a while um but it's all good it's all for good culmination a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and today we have amanda with us from mindful magic method um so this has been long anticipated to have this conversation with you um in line with multiple conversations to be had but um i'm glad you're here thanks for joining us Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know it's pretty cool that, you know, I'm a big believer in divine timing. And yeah, it's been a couple of hoops and arrows to get to this point, but all for good reason. And it's because just everything is rapidly changing all around us. We're all, you know, rolling with the punches. But today happens to be a great day to initiate many, many, many conversations to come. And I'm stoked to be here. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So those that don't know, Amanda is an astrologer um, and a mindful movement teacher. I would put, right? I could put it that way, right? That too? Um, Yeah. And she helps with seasonal self-care through personal discovery, using strength, uh, strength strength-based tools um, in order to gain self-awareness, which I think a lot of us definitely need. And to just have more intuitive living. Um, so with that, give us a little bit of a, a background on yourself. You're coming into this way of life and like your newfound perspective on life that you've gained through all this. Okay, thanks for the intro. Well, 
for those listening, I'll, you know what I'm going to start off with? I'm going to start by sharing my big. I'm gonna I'm gonna go that way. Um, so for those of you that are more familiar with astrology, I'm sure you know what the big three is. Mm. Um, just to get an idea of my personality, my sun is in Pisces, my moon is in Aquarius, so I'm almost a new moon baby, mm. and I happen to be a Cancer rising. So double water and my sun in rising, and my moon is air. Um, my sun and moon happen to be in the eighth house, which is super interesting always. Um, and my rising sign is actually kind of on the cusp between Cancer and Leo, hence the big hair, hence the fact that I'm a lot more abrupt mm. than most <laughs> Cancer risings up front. But ultimately, I am an old soul. And I've always been an old soul. And that was something that no one could have <laughs> um, prepared me for because um, a lot of people will resonate with the term old soul, but I literally have felt since I was a young girl that I just had this deep understanding of the world that I couldn't express with words. And so from a young age, I was always very creative, very sensitive. Um, and like and like Joe, I grew up in an Italian family, except I'm from Ontario. I'm Canadian. Uh, I grew up in Hamilton, which is uh, really close to Toronto. And uh, yeah, my family is basically, well, there's a lot of ancestral trauma that comes with Italian families. And oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, I, I know you know, um, and for those of you that um, have European ancestry and came to North America after the Second World War. It's uh, there's a specific understanding of the kind of trauma that is passed down to the generations that were born in North America, and um, it was really intense because I happened to be born kind of on the cusp of a time where I was born and raised in a lot of tradition and a lot of conservative values, but I happened to be a very modern, eclectic, open-minded soul. And that's why I said from the beginning of this that like no one could have prepared to raise me. <laughs> um, like my, my parents could not have known better on how to have the tools at the time as well um, when I was born because my goodness, I had a really challenging childhood. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Like I had a lot of really hard cycles and hard, you know, encounters. And, you know, despite the fact that I've, grown up with a lot of family and a big family and a lot of love um I had to experience a lot of challenges mostly because of my sensitivity to the world around me and growing up with really intense psychic abilities and not really understanding them and having any healthy boundaries with that um until I had my great awakening as I like to call it I was pretty lost pretty self-destructive as well and so it um before I had my awakening, I actually went to school for social work, which is why I have a background in counseling and coaching and, and personal development. And I was working with children in Southern Ontario in at-risk areas. And I was starting to understand mental health and empathy in a more uh, multi-dimensional way. And let's face it, Joe, you can probably agree here, old school European families do not talk about mental health, better yet, anything to do with anything past oh, yeah. God in the church. So, you know, I remember being a teenager at home being like, hey, ma, hey, dad, I think I am depressed or I have anxiety. And it's like, no, 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 these things don't exist. You're too young to have these things. You're too young to be stressed. Mm -hmm. 
and I was just like, no, there's, there's, there's gotta be more to it. So it inspired me to work with kids, get into social work, but I still had a really big problem with the system. That's my moon in Aquarius for you, the little rubble mm. underneath it. And so I'll, and then eventually fast forward to, I'll give you the specific date of my great awakening, March the 12th, 2016. Oh, wow. That day, my life changed. Uh, everything broke down. Everything. Um, there, it was literally like a crashing point in my life. And it's funny because I have the chart, the natal birth chart for that date. And um, on that day, I did like a sinistry account or, or a reading for myself and that date and what was mm -hmm. happening that date. And um, my North Node was conjunct my Saturn. Uh, or transiting. Oh, wow. And so for those of you that don't really know, Saturn is a planet that has a lot to do with our greatest challenges and lessons and hardships and, and ways that we evolve and grow through time. And uh, the North Node represents the most uncomfortable path to your soul's evolution. And so that day was an initiation, a really hard one that forced me to learn the really hard, necessary lessons. Um, but it initiated me taking an oath to myself that I would begin healing from the root up. And from that day, I began to awaken into my purpose. Um, and I do have a strong sense of knowing now, six years later, almost exactly six years later, just a few days past, um, that my purpose is to help others wake up and discover their truth and their purpose as well. And that's my, that's my soulful purpose. That's why I'm here. And that's why I became an astrologer. And between 2016 and this date right here in 2022, I went into so many different holistic modalities. I began to tap into my gifts. Um, I actually went to school for massage therapy. I did not become a massage therapist, <laughs> but I um, ended up just going into more holistic practices and starting to figure out different ways to bridge my social work practice with my more holistic uh, mindset and framework. And in 2018, I launched my business. And so I've been in service, I guess you can say since 2018. And I started, it's funny because I started my business on the basis of energy healing, tarot and essential oils. And I now use none of the three modalities in my work today. Um, and I mainly work with astrology. Mm. <laughs> and if anything, I still use some of the frameworks of these systems. I still use chakras in my work. I still, well, I'm a yoga teacher and meditation uh, teacher as well. So I still use those frameworks of energy healing. But um, today what has happened is I went very, very deep into astrology. I started studying astrology in 2016. And it's the one thing that I kept studying intensely, nonstop. And so it's what inspired me to make astrology and mindful movement, the two core pillars of my specific method. Um, and the reason why it stuck out to me, the reason why I wanted astrology to be an integral part of my work and my practice is because it's multidimensional, practical, intuitive, and scientific at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's brilliant because when you get to know astrology past the fluff you see in the media and the fluff you see in the back of a magazine or on the newspaper, and you see the ancient ancestral wisdom and the codes yes. that you can really, really tap into it's brilliant it's brilliant 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 and it 
honestly, I believe astrology is the one language that is intuitive and archetypal that walks along the lines of religion, new age, science, whatever belief you want to have. And it's simply because there is so much backing it. Um, history, astronomy, um, so many, so many, so many different mm-hmm. factors. Um, and in a personal growth sense, when I discovered my natal birth chart, I, I really began to discover it and study it in depth in 2018. But um, it changed everything because I was finally able to have the why for why my life was the way it was and why my challenges were the way they were. Mm. And by understanding the language of astrology and learning about my natal birth chart, I was able to unlock the how, the how I can start to live according to my soul's authentic essence and tap into my true purpose rather than living according to this um, assumption of who we're supposed to be. And that's the thing. That's the purpose of, you know, I mean, according to astrology, we're all here to learn. We're all here to grow, to learn, and to evolve from the lessons that we have been trapped within. And I believe astrology is a really great language to help people navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Very, very fascinating story. Um, it also, you know, that those experience, like I, you know, I say that our times make strong people, uh, depending on your perspective of the experiences that you're having um, as well. And just so much of what you said, even just the 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 coming into it of it of of the astrology and even just your own uh, kind of where you came from too and a lot of that resonates with me because obviously yeah I came from a very traditional Italian household uh, very upkept in that way too but life sometimes doesn't stay traditional and you know not everybody's perfect not every family's perfect or anything um, so there was uh, disruptions and interruptions and hard times um, and a battling, especially when growing up, you know, becoming a young adolescent and, and, and then becoming an adult is trying to, you know, you're learning about the new stages in life. You're learning about yourself as you're going through the process of it while having certain ideals stuck to you. And I like to think they're just like probably the, one of the strongest ideals and that, that can be on you is coming from an Italian family, a very traditional Italian family. So between that, whatever religions may be uh, that, that your family goes by and everything and stuff, there's, there can be a tendency to feel this kind of pressure and not even understanding where the pressure comes from. So, so it's, it's, definitely, uh, it's, it's definitely where this field of coming into mindfulness, you know, awareness, the astrology, understanding how the astrology works really does help somebody maybe in that position who doesn't have, does, maybe doesn't even have not only not the answers, but doesn't even know what questions to ask. It allows that type of exploration to kind of come about. And that's something that even for myself that it did was, you know, especially through a very rough, you know, I had very rough 20s. My 20s were very rough and I just couldn't figure, just couldn't figure it out. And it finally came to a point where, you know, you don't, you're just enough is enough. I'm tired. I'm tired of being sick and tired. And I need to, I need to change something. Um, And all it takes is that little bit of strong will to get you in the right momentum 
Um, and I think I, I will always accredit that, you know, the astrology and, and not even so much, you know, the um, astrological influences. It's the concept too, the understanding of the astrology and looking at your own chart gets you to look at yourself. You know, as long as you could do it also honestly, unbiased, you know, being, you know, separating a little bit from the ego, not just right away dismissing things or, or coming to attach onto things, it allows you to go into that observation of what we, you know, say this self-awareness, being to mindful. become a mirror, to literally yeah. become a mirror. Yes, I hear exactly. everything. Yeah. Yeah. That was 2018 for me, you know, to being able to finally sit there and start learning that. And I think I was at a point, though, also in my life where I just was very honest with myself. So I was honest with things that just weren't where I was really, you know, shit in the bed a little bit too, like just very honest about it. But the more that I kept with understanding the whys, that's like you said, I started seeing, oh, okay, here's the how. How do I solve this? How do I, how do I start getting somewhere? And it, it, it led me on a determined path as well. And as I could see also for you. Yes. And, and I, I do want to add to that because mm -hmm. it took time. It took a lot of time to Definitely. get to the point where I was able to understand the how. Mm -hmm. But if there's one thing, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, and maybe even the listeners too, mm -hmm. when you start to learn about your natal birth chart, the first thing that happens, and this takes a long time too, depending on your open openness to hearing or understanding or perceiving what is being portrayed, it's a lot of self-accountability. It's a lot of radical self-accountability, self-acceptance. Yeah. And then that's when the work really begins. And that's when, honestly, I used to think of my life as this big plateau. I never saw it going anywhere. I, I honestly, and this is a little morbid, I never saw my life past 30. I used hmm. to say that all the time. And now, honestly, since astrology around 2018, around 2018, when I really went deep into it, I felt that going up going up the mountain feeling again. And you know what? The metaphor of climbing the mountain or going on life's path of the journey has been a massive visual for me um, and continuing this path, not only in my own self-discovery, but in helping others um, in their mirroring process. So yeah. it's becoming, awesome to see that the, this is- Becoming been... the goat. <laughs> yeah. Becoming the goat, yes. scaling the mountain. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely something that I feel, you know, many people really should consider and to take a deeper look at it. And this is why I like that we're having this conversation, because this also will help us, um, you know, be able to dive into that a little bit more as well with seeing, you know, even more so of how the astrology works in our lives and, and then also, you know, how we can, um, you know, separate from the horoscopical type ideas sometimes and the very mainstream look at astrology you know not what you see on a meme like you know these certain things which are fine and all it's funny and it's also you know it kind of it, it's entertainment in that sort of way too but like you said there's a deeper mystical um holistic type of uh alchemical view on this especially when you're looking at it through the eyes of nature um and i think that's the thing that got me and got me to understand especially coming from a christian background was being able to kind of archetypally 
define more of the spiritual realm to kind of like define some of these things um, in a certain way to understand its natural processes and movements as well. Um, and knowing how to initiate those things, call on those things, you know, kind of guard yourself from certain things as well, too. I think that's the main point in, in, in trying to, you know, understand a lot of this. Absolutely. Um, so a, a little bit, of, I, I want to get a little bit of your view and your opinion on how you would briefly kind of explain the validity of astrology in, in your own terms and how you think it should be used and not used. Okay, I'm so excited that we're having this discussion mm -hmm. because what I really want to do here is compare and contrast. And before mm -hmm. I get into, I want to define what astrology is, different types mm -hmm. that exist, as well as different systems. But before I do that, I must be clear on the fact that no system is better than the other or worse than the other. And they all have really awesome purposes if you use them for their purpose. Mm -hmm. And the moment you start to kind of go smoke and mirrors and merge them too much, it becomes very confusing. And this is specifically when it comes to tropical and sidereal. Um, and there's a reason why my approach to astrology is so multidimensional, because I do believe that there are different stages of it being used in a beneficial way for your personal growth and well-being. And so astrology is simply the language of the stars, but from more of an archetypal, um, mythological standpoint. Astrology as a life science is backed by many of the findings and observations of our ancestors, astronomers, doctors, philosophers, so many different influences here. And this is without even going into the more magical um, mystical influences. But what's fascinating about astrology is that it is the cousin, the scientific, sorry, the scientific cousin of astrology is astronomy. And mm -hmm. this is where I believe astrology gets its stripes because there is an actual scientific backing to mm -hmm. these systems. And this is why in my personal practice, whether I use, you know, tropical or sidereal or not, I always want to understand the actual astronomy behind the planets and the constellations yes. and, and what it entails. Because guess what? Yes, astronomy is astrology is very much connected to our patterns and behaviors, but 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 how? And this is where a lot of people get mixed up with the woo-woo and what is actual fact. Hmm. And this is where the astronomical piece is important. Gravity. <laughs> the gravitational pull of each of the planets and celestial bodies varies and differs depending on how far or close they are to the sun and the earth. And that, again, I'm not going to get too, too deep into this because I'm not an astronomer, but the missing piece of understanding these orbits, these cycles, the actual contextual like characteristics of the planets themselves away from their myths. This is a missing and very important link that I believe is a really crucial and modern point in astrology, because not only does it help to understand the cycles of how we think and how we feel and how we act in the short and long term, but it connects to our health. Hmm. And this is where medical astrology comes from. This is where we are able to determine our energetic, physical, non-physical imbalances, resistances, and 
strengths. And this is where we go back to the Greeks, the Romans, um, everything that was happening in um, Babylon as well, just in that area in general. They were very adamant on the fact that astrology was the missing link between understanding that divine connection between mm -hmm. everything. And yeah. so now that we're in the 21st century and all of these topics for a long time were completely discredited again, I'm sure you know this fact that up until a couple hundred years ago, most doctors were astrologers. Yep. That's it. No, no one wants to believe that to be true yeah. because astrology has been watered down to become this joke, to become yeah. this pseudoscience, fun, fluffy, entertainment-based topic. When it's truthfully such an intuitive life science that can help you to understand not just your patterns, but your actual physical health and mental health well-being mm -hmm. and so this is also where different systems of astrology exist around the world there's obviously not just tropical astrology there is vedic astrology there is mayan astrology the list goes on but in my personal practice and and we're going to talk a lot about this in coming uh, episodes together mm -hmm. i specifically use the tropical system and the sidereal system now I use both of them in their own ways for different reasons altogether. Before I get deep into each of them, tropical astrology helps us to under understand our mundane cycles here on Earth. So it's a great way to understand your routines, you know, your personality, your challenges, your lessons, your purpose. It's, it's, it's a great way to understand who you are and what you're doing here. And not only that, but our calendar operates under the lens of tropical astrology and the astrological calendar is connected to it. So when we think about the seasons, we just entered into the spring, spring equinox was a few days ago. Um, we know that to be true because March 20th or 21st is always the first day of Aries season. And that marks the beginning of the astrological calendar. That is how we operate on the Western side of the world and have operated on the Western side of the world for a very long time. And so that's why I like tropical astrology because most people operate within this system. Hmm. So of course I'm gonna use it because it's the most um, tangible. It's the most practical. Now, sidereal astrology is really interesting because it is a more modern, and authentic system in a sense where it actually uses the up-to-date um, location of where the constellations are today. So for example, the big difference here is that even though we just entered into spring equinox, according to the sidereal astrological calendar, we are very much still in Pisces season. And with that being said, even though spring is here, we're not done the astrological cycle yet. We are still in the very end of the previous astrological cycle, preparing to merge into the next one. And this is because according to the sidereal timelines, the constellations and the earth and the sun have wobbled approximately 24 degrees from their placement 2000 years ago. And so the seasons that we believe to be Aries season, Taurus season, Gemini season, XYZ, they're actually almost a month off mm. in reality. And so 
somewhere along the lines of history, there was a divide between sidereal and tropical timelines. Once upon a time, sidereal timelines were the only timelines that were used. And at one point when tropical astrology was born 2000 years ago, the sun was at zero degrees Aries. And that's why based on the tradition of tropical astrology, that system has remained the same. And it's why we have been learned and taught and born and bred to live within the system because it's the most mundane. Whereas sidereal, it became a bit more of a quietly used system. The only more modern and um, well-known system of astrology that uses sidereal timelines today is Vedic astrology. And Vedic astrology is rooted from uh, Southeast Asia. And so the sidereal timelines, the reason why I love using them, um, and the thing is, they're, I feel bad because I didn't get the best way to explain this. There are many different systems that use sidereal timelines, such as Vedic astrology, mm -hmm. but there is also a new leg of sidereal astrology that has been birthed in the last 20 years. And this is the sidereal astrology that includes every sign that is truthfully in the ecliptic, not just the 12 traditional signs. And this is where the constellation of a fucus, the 13th sign that everyone freaks out about comes into play. And yes, it exists. That's the truth, my friends. Um, so three legs of astrology here, Te technically two and a half, the tropical, the sidereal, and then there's the little branch of the sidereal that is the true sidereal. The tropical astrology helps us understand our mundane cycles, helps us understand routines, um, different things that are very, very suitable to our unique needs and how to tap into who we are. Sidereal is more of an idea of who we are modernly um, and it's how we've evolved. And honestly, when you look at sidereal transits, they're a lot more accurate than tropical transits. So if you're ever looking at what's happening um, in the future, or if you're ever looking into um, horary astrology, which is when you're looking into astrology over time, um, typically sidereal astrology is the way to go. Vedic astrologers usually are the most punctual and accurate when it comes to predictions because of that. And um, Vedic astrology also has a life science with it. And that's because it's so connected with yoga and Ayurveda. So there's a reason why the sidereal astrologers use it more as a science, as a way to understand things over time. And then true sidereal astrology is very different because it kind of blows everything out of the water simply because it includes 13th sign of the fucus. And a fucus is changing the narrative everywhere because it's finally beginning to be spoken about and not just spoken about and dismissed, but like actually embraced, <laughs> yeah. um, which is really cool. So overall, I think that because astrology is so multidimensional and because it covers so many different areas of our well-being and our connection to all that is, it really is the bridge between science and spirituality in the sense that it's an intuitive language that's always been there and always will be here. And it's evolving every single day, the more that we make more discoveries and the more that we make more connections. Mm -hmm. um, so it's yeah. a very exciting time, very exciting time to be an astrologer. Absolutely. I, that's why I love that, you know, we're having this conversation. And even just for myself, I've been going more into it and, you know, just kind of like diving into understanding these energies a little bit more and even 
not even just staring at a chart with all these symbols and you know um transits that they're making and stuff like that but like actually trying to connect with it more um in a you know in a way that kind of allows you to expand on your consciousness allowing you to see and feel uh and interact with the energies as well through these representations like that's one thing that i think especially when you're talking about tropical and uh sidereal like i I kind of see it as like the whole thing that tropical really just kind of gives you more of the um, gives you more of a, an, an even mathematical equation of being able to get the whole circumference of of the universe. I mean, uh, you know, of, of the sky, basically, and yeah. being able to divide it up, you know, in, in, in a in a very, I guess you could say, harmonic type of way. Yes. You know, having having it structured in that sense. And also think that the one thing to understand is that you know, constellation and zodiac aren't necessarily the same thing. You know, they are, but they aren't. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? So like, I think the zodiac itself is a conscious concept and is almost kind of man-made in a way. Uh, The zodiacs are archetypes. They literally are the archetypes of of the essence Mm -hmm. of what the the constellation is based on observation Mm -hmm. over time. It's literally a concept. Exactly. And then the sidereal, I see it as because then you have the actual constellations that we can see ourselves and they don't necessarily all hold the same space as all the other ones as well. So they're not all exactly 30 degrees and, you know, in that sense. So that's the biggest that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing with true sidereal astrology. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're I good. forgot to mention that very, very important point. Mm-hmm. Because The other systems of sidereal astrology, not including true sidereal astrology, they all go under the assumption that there are 12 signs and that they're all the same size. Mm -hmm. The only thing they actually implement is the fact that their timelines are actually very, very, very forward. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, they're 24 degrees ahead. But true sidereal astrology not only considers all of the constellations that are within the ecliptic, but yes, the constellations themselves are completely different sizes. Mm -hmm. We have 88 constellations within our solar system. And people don't realize that there are some constellations that take up more than half of, or at least a good quarter of our ecliptic. Um, Virgo, for example, Virgo is about 45 degrees wide. And, a true Virgo season completely spans through all of Libra and Scorpio season, pretty much mm-hmm. a tropical astrology. So it's really interesting to see how things actually shift when you look at the perception versus the reality. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so cool to use both systems because mm-hmm. you get an idea of where things have evolved over time and how you have evolved over time archetypally. So, yes. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that because I really see how, you know, if you come into this, you know, uh, you know, I I would say sure, it doesn't matter. Sure, you can come into learning about astrology through whole sign or, you know, Placidus, whatever it may be, but I think, you know, the whole tropical, you know, it, it's a it's a great starting point if somebody needs to, I'm not saying that you have to start there as well. Um but I think it like for me more so it, it's helped me understand the archetypes a little bit better, understand the movement uh, of, of the cosmos and, 
you know, in reflection to even the effect it has on us in a sort of way, um, and also allowing it to to understand the constellations in these parts of the sky and the specific degrees within them um, as kind of being like the, you know, the, the, the constellations are, are, are the, you know, 12 parts of the psyche, you know, but there's more parts of our psyche as well. I think by, by using the sidereal, by looking and observing more so the physical nature of, you know, whether the sun is in an exact, you know, the constellations exactly behind it, you know, we may, we may be in, uh, in a Aquarius or, you know, on a tropical standpoint, but when you look at the sun uh, and its position and stuff, it may not necessarily be, you know, in that sign. So it's in a different constellation. And I think that with a little more exploration, we can kind of maybe get more detail on a certain, you know, aspect within the, the, the psyche, within our own consciousness, within, you know, the, the world consciousness at the time and stuff. Um, and, you know, also by being, being able to look at even the mythologies of this and kind of seeing the allegorical sense of these things. And I think that's very important to keep that open mind, especially when, you know, which we're going to talk more about with even Ophiuchus. Um, but I think that's important so that we can be able to even link more of these things in greater depth, in detail, when it comes to, you know, looking at ourselves as well, because we may miss things. If you're going with some of the overall archetypes, it's a great start. But I think there may be certain points where it's easier said than done when it comes to some of, of, of the whys and the hows, um, where is if you look at it through the more in-depth side of astrology in this way, uh, it's the same thing. Like even it's the same thing. Like even looking at the degrees, you know, in that way to kind of get you a little bit more of a zoom in on this particular area as well, so that you can work with it maybe a little bit more detail and allow some, you to expand on something. It can unlock something for you. It could trigger something in you. I, I think this is this is the point that we need to understand. And of course, like I said, like you know, there is a good starting point. I do think tropical is a great starting point. I personally like need to learn more about the sidereal standpoint, which this is actually helping me go more into it as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm really grateful that I did take so much time to learn tropical before I ever began to dip my toes into this because it helps to have a framework or like a basic general understanding because it's like, if you go into the world, especially true Sidereal astrology, I would not suggest anyone getting into that unless, unless they really, 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 really know what they're looking at. Because mm-hmm. it is a very, it's a whole other portal in itself that almost like requires like a prerequisite <laughs> to <Yeah>. like <laughs> explore it before. Yeah, it's 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 really wild stuff. And to be honest with you, uh, I'm really glad that you mentioned the piece of you know, observing the tropical kind of like archetypal um, zodiac stage we're in, but also, you know, looking up and seeing where we are truly at and beginning to look at the mirrors and the parallels of that. And I believe that it in itself is the definition of modern astrology hmm. because it's learning to see how we are evolving as a collective and learning to use different ways of 
looking at it in different steps. And the cool thing is that astrology allows you multiple different levels and stages within it. That's why it's such a labyrinth. Um, and it's brilliant. It's so yeah. brilliant. Um, you can see a lot of the underlying substance in that way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about Akikas, though, because yes, I definitely, definitely feel like that has not been talked about on the Daily Transcendence yet. And mm -hmm. everyone's probably like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's actually being spoken yeah. about. So. Yeah. I, as, as we're going into that, I'm going to also just even give my my thought or, or how Akikas kind of how I felt about Akikas. Definitely, of course, when I first heard about, oh, there's a 13th sign in that basic form. There's a 13th sign that, of course, I was very resistant towards it. Um, you know, I just kind of but but once again, I it's very easy to be resistant to something you don't understand. And I think that's a major, major problem with everything that's going on in the world. Um, a major problem with even understanding astrology. Uh, you know, with other people, how they resist that, you know, they call it a pseudoscience. You know, there's there's so much of that going on. So, you know, that's an aspect as well that we have to look within ourselves and be like, are we, you know, are we just kind of refusing something because we don't get it? And maybe we're too lazy, plain and simple, to look at it further, you know, or we just kind of like go into ignorance is bliss. Um, but yeah, so for me, Ophiuchus kind of was just kind of like this thing where I was like, all right, I understand it's another constellation. And how I understand astrology, I'm sure there is a, a representation somewhere within consciousness, just like everything. There's no, it's not like it's just there for no reason as well. You know, like you have fixed stars, you have asteroids, you know, you, you have these, these minor aspects as well and stuff. So you can account for these things. Are they always necessarily necessary? No, not all the time, you know, but like we were saying, if you want a little bit of a deeper observation, be able to have a little more substance, see something a little bit more below the surface, then yeah, I think these would, these types of things, and especially even Ophiuchus, would be helpful in that case scenario. Um, so, and, and then it took me um, falling upon your uh, talk about Ophiuchus with Phil from Unexplained Incorporated that I love the way you explained it and it even got my mind rolling even more to even trying to understand it more so in a hermetic type of sense, um, you know, the, the alchemical sense as well, a deeper observation of what's already there when it comes to the Zodiac. Um, and and it, got me, it got me very curious. And I think knowing the history of it, it you know, the, the representation of it, the mythologies behind it, which I know you're going to get into, is very, very important to understanding a little better and having the acceptance come in to be like, okay, wait, we're not going to just, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate you sharing that point because that what your your story that you just shared is is so similar to the resistance that I held towards a fucus for a very long time. And I'm sure a lot of people, and I'm gonna be honest, people, like a year ago when I discovered this constellation and like really allowed myself to accept a fucus in my heart, I like ripped the band-aid off so hard on social media. I like pushed so many buttons and I was like, guys, this is this is something you all need to know. Like, 
I, I was like bursting through the seams with like downloads of excitement and information because I was like, this is such groundbreaking knowledge that like, why don't people want to hear this? Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand at the time because it was literally like a revelation to me discovering just how important this, this sign is in our evolution and growth as human humankind, literally. Mm-hmm. So and, and for those of you listening to this piece too, I, I invite you to listen with an open heart and open mind yeah. because it is um, it is a lot. And you can mm-hmm. take this or leave it, but I believe you will all be convinced that there is a lot of missing context to tropical astrology yeah. after hearing what I have to say. Yeah, there's a lot to dis- there's a lot to dissect with it, and definitely that's why. You know, there's going to be a lot of thought. I, I know I, I have even my own thoughts after you, you know, once we get more into this. Yeah, there, there's so be patient and, and, and hear it out. Um, I, I'm sure it'll it'll come to those listening just like it, it came to me as well. Yes, yes, yes. OK, so before I even get into it, I just need to like briefly um, explain to any listeners that are still a little bit newer to astrology in itself. The 12 zodiac signs as archetypes, they all represent a cycle. The cycle of the beginning all the way to the end. What goes up must go down. Life, death, you know what I mean. Everything on this earth plane is cyclic, okay? And each of the 12 signs of the zodiac are represented by different archetypes. Aries the ram, Taurus the bull, Pisces the fish, the list goes on. And in tropical astrology each of the 12 signs is perfectly organized into different categories they're all in 30 degree sections in the one in the 360 degree wheel of the natal birth chart and each of the signs is organized by element mode and polarity so masculine feminine earth air fire water cardinal fixed mutable so this is what we're used to. And, and a lot of classically trained astrologers are very much well-hearsed in this system. And it's a very intuitive, very, very, very brilliant system. It's very complex as well, because Joe was already mentioning, there's a lot of math, there's a lot of geometry, there's a lot of, you know, a lot that goes into it, which is why the idea of breaking it just seems like too much. It's... Mm. It's already, it already fits really comfortably. Why would we want to break this cycle? It's, it's good. It's good, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what if I told you that 2000 years ago in uh, Ptolemaic, I think that's how you say it. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the times where Ptolemy was alive in Egypt. Mm-hmm. What if I told you that Ptolemy did something that not a lot of people realize? when he was writing his view on the sky. First off, uh, Ptolemy believed that the earth was the center of the universe, okay? So he believed that everything surrounded earth, even the sun. So when you look at a natal birth chart, make a little observation that you technically are the middle of the chart and everything else is surrounding you. So that's one thing. But even though at that time, like I mentioned earlier, the sidereal timelines, all 13 signs, that was the original, the only way of looking at the sky. 
But Ptolemy, who was, you know, very much connected to different systems and different teachings and learnings, he was like, I see, I see this, this, this system being born here, this tropical system. So not only did he decide to organize the 12 constellations in the ecliptic in perfect settings, but he decided to shave their true sizes and omit the 13th sign. And this is something really interesting about the 13th sign. The 13th sign wasn't actually fully in the ecliptic up until about 2000 years ago where, where, where its foot began to enter and push and, and push away the constellations of Scorpio and Sagittarius, but specifically stepping on the tail of Scorpio. So astronomically, 2,000 years ago, Afucas was just beginning to kind of barge in to the ecliptic, which is why, again, a lot of people will say, oh, Ptolemy cut it out because it was, it was barely in the ecliptic in the first place. But then why did he shave away the true sizes of the constellations as well, if he wanted everything to be authentic? Mm. So that's one question. So... Another thing too is the number 13, not exactly associated as a lucky number, except, except for us Italians, for my yeah. family, we love the number. But people don't generally like the number 13. You know, I sometimes see apartment buildings where they don't have a 13th floor, you know, that's still mm -hmm. a thing today. But the number 13, mm, bad omen, not, not it, it represented the antichrist, you know, something very demonic, satanic. So, so Tommy thought that he was doing you know, everything a favor mm -hmm. by shaving this off when truthfully what he did was cut humanity off from exactly what they needed to tap into in order to restore their true authentic way of being. And it was from that point in history where we began to begin living in this time space matrix of tropical astrology. And again, this astrological calendar was birthed technically before the Gregorian calendar was really even established. Yeah. And so, you know, this goes back, my friends. And I know that this might be triggering a lot of thoughts, just like I said it would, but hear me out. So a few kisses, as I mentioned, astronomically, 2000 years ago, was just beginning to step its foot in its way into the ecliptic, right in between the constellations of Scorpio and Sagittarius. Now, interestingly enough, now, in this present day and age, the foot of Ephucus is much more presently in the ecliptic and the tail of Scorpio is all that remains in the ecliptic. So, what we know about Scorpio and Sagittarius today has been heavily distorted through time because the shamanic, transformative, sexual, um, healing um visionary energy that is so very much associated with both scorpio and sagittarius in different ways is truthfully the magic of a fucus mm -hmm. and so we got to talk about the story of a fucus yes we have to talk about the mythology of a fucus now because this is a really missing key here mm -hmm. so a is known as the serpent bearer that's 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 his uh his that's his uh name even though Aspucus technically takes on no gender according to sidereal astrology but Aspucus the serpent bearer um was also known as Asclepius 
because we're, we're going to talk about the Greek story of Ephucus right now. So Asclepius, he was a hero. Asclepius was one of the heroes that was trained by Chiron, the centaur, that lived in the mountains of Greece. And by the way, if you don't know the story of Chiron, the centaur, um, you, I highly recommend that you discover it, you learn it, because uh, there's a very crucial asteroid in astrology called Chiron that represents um, a lot of our deepest psychological wounds to be healed from. And so that's a whole other tale for another time. We will do a podcast on Chiron yeah, and, and tap into a Fucus and, and Sagittarius. Yeah. But Asclepius, who was also the father of modern day medicine, mm-hmm. but Asclepius was one of the students of Chiron, of the this, of this centaur who was this brilliant teacher of healing, medicine, all kinds of things. Basically, Chiron taught Asclepius the art of healing. And there's a myth that exists that basically Asclepius became the most powerful healer. And he was a healer that would intimidate so many people. And and there's a story here that Asclepius was actually given the blood of the Gorgon Medusa. And Medusa has all the snakes coming from her head. And basically, it was the goddess Athena that gave Asclepius the blood of the Gorgon. And he used the Gorgon's blood from the veins of the right side of her head Mm. to bring people back to life. And so that became a part of what Ephucus was known for, using the serpent blood from the right side of Medusa's head to heal people and literally resurrect them from the dead. So this was a bit of a concern for ancient Greece because Zeus uh was a little bit worried because he didn't want the human race to become immoral he didn't want asclepius to heal everyone and so zeus by the way zeus represents jupiter zeus went to his brother hades god of the underworld and basically said hey um we're really beginning to dry up our underworld here we can't have so many people dying um i mean living or becoming immortal we need to stop this guy from healing all these people and hades represents pluto by the way And so basically Zeus ended up killing Asclepius, banning him to the constellations. And so he would never, ever, ever be brought down ever again. So the magic of Ephucus was banned forever and ever and doesn't really matter. So if you think about the story of Ephucus and what Ptolemy poetically did to Ephucus, literally cut the world off from this innate, natural, inner power that we all have within us, this magic, this Christ consciousness we all have that we have seemingly become completely unaware of. It's like we have amnesia towards who we really are and what we're really capable of. And so a fucus in its essence is, if you think about the elements, earth, air, fire, water, if you just want to look at the four core elements as depicted in tropical astrology and alchemy, Um, You can say that Ephucus is both fire and water because it sits right in between Scorpio and Sagittarius. Mm. And because it's fire and water, it therefore takes on no binary. So it is masculine and feminine simultaneously. And if you think about it, for the last 2000 years of our human history, we have been very much under the control of a lot of really toxic patriarchal systems where if only we had the energy and the understanding and the healing of a fucus, maybe we would be living in a more balanced world. 
where we were able to be one with one another and not in a, such of a space of hatred, division. Hmm. But if we consider the fifth element of ether as depicted in Vedic astrology and in the Vedic sciences, ether represents space. Space, all that exists above and beyond the physical realm. And when we consider the fifth elements, we can also consider a fucus to be ether in space as well. And so if you were born between November the 30th and December the 17th, you are likely in a fucus sun. And there's a really interesting way of finding out how a fucus is aspected in your natal birth chart. Um, it's actually really hard to find. Um, a software that generates a natal birth chart with a Zodiac 13. Um, there are only like two systems I think that exist and one of them is really hard to come by. Um, but if you look at the degrees or if even if you go onto astro.com, switch it into a sidereal setting, you can look at the degrees of the sidereal setting and figure out where a fucus would lie within it. Um, so I've done that a few times for people that are just beginning to discover it. But um, yeah, it's interesting how it's really hard to find a Zodiac 13 calculator because a fucus itself is still something that no one wants to really accept. And the thing is, like, I'm sure a lot of you in the past have like seen like the random news flash come out where it's like, oh, they discovered the 13th sign. That means your sun sign really isn't your third, your sun sign. Oh my goodness. Well, guess what? The truth is, is that no one is what they think they are <laughs> with respect to their natal birth chart. We're actually a lot more evolved as human beings than we think we are. And we have been led to believe we are living in this one specific template of the tropical astrology template. So other, other things as well to consider here. Um, Bucus is the serpent bearer. Um, Asclepius is now known as the god of medicine, one of the gods of um, resurrection. And Asclepius holds the serpent, which is also known as the caduceus in modern day medicine. So this is one way that a fucus has been taken into context and kind of warped into something very subtle in our society. Um, the most dangerous enemy of a fucus is the Catholic, Catholic Church though. Um, they are trying to hide this so much. And that is the really big challenge because the Catholic Church is clearly, you know, a lot of people know the truth of the Catholic Church now. I'm not saying anything bad or good about it, but um, what it has done is prevent a lot of us from tapping into our true nature. Um, and the Catholic Church really does control many systems that keep us from freedom. And just a little fact about Chiron for a second, because Chiron is technically the ruler of a fucus. Um, Chiron, the asteroid, astronomically, is trapped in the orbit of Saturn's rings. And all of the systems that we exist within in our modern day earth plane world are based on Saturn. Saturn rules our systems. And isn't it funny that we collectively have been trying to break free from these systems and that's the Chiron rule. And so it's all very interesting how it does connect in a very broad sense. But the reason why I use true sidereal astrology and I use a focus and I honestly, I think like one in every 30 readings I do are true sidereal. I do it when people are ready to see that perspective. 
when people are ready to see the true potential of where and how they can find liberation in certain really, really limiting cycles in their lives. And this is where it becomes very, 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 very um, spiritual, mm-hmm. very spiritual. Now, I, I have a question now. Now, so say if you're looking at your tropical, your chart in the tropical standpoint, right? Would you be able to look at where Ophiuchus would be in your chart or would that not actually be where it would be? It wouldn't be where it would be. The only way you could do it is if you switch the tropical setting to a sidereal setting. Okay. Um, and so I usually go to the Thag and Bradley sidereal um, setting. And then I will use whole house because Placidus does not work ever with mm-hmm. any sidereal setting. So just get used to that now. Never use Placidus with sidereal. Placidus is at most good with tropical and only tropical. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at that, go whole house, go sidereal, go Fag and Bradley. Um, and then basically what you're looking at is the in-between Scorpio and Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. So it's still going to show you 30 degrees, 30 degrees, 30 degrees. But if you look at from about eight degrees Scorpio until about, I think it's like 13 or 14 degrees Sagittarius. No, sorry, 20 degrees Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. That's where Ephucus lies. So um, I that's the thing. If I if I was able to show like a video demo, I know you're recording right now and you mm-hmm. have video, but I have like my heating pad on my neck. So like I know you'll probably <laughs> but um, you know. <laughs> but um there is a way of doing it without having to get the super fancy software. It's just like literally knowing how to look at the degrees. So about eight degrees Scorpio until about 20 degrees Sagittarius will show you where a focus is. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, so I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on, on Ophiuchus because as, as we're going through understanding even just the archetype of it as well, because I've also seen how there's a potential for um, the constellation even being recognized from before, um, before when it's said to have been recognized, where even in Babylonian uh, uh, astronomy as well, uh, as the as the uh, the sitting gods uh, constellation as well um, is known to be in that area of where Ophiuchus would be as well, um, and I think also you know you have Nera which represents the serpent god as well, um, uh, and that's that's the god with the upper human half, and then it has even serpent legs, uh, something like that. Um, and I think it's 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 cataloged in Aratus. I've heard an Aratus. Uh, it's like a a catalog uh, of Exodus. Uh, I don't know how to say the word, but it's C N I D U S. Sinitis? 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 I think it would just be, yeah, probably just be nitus. Um, but yeah, so can you also say, though, that uh, Ophiuchus could also represent Apollo because there's Apollo struggling with a huge snake um, and that, that guarded the Oracle of Delphi. Well, oh. what's really interesting is that Apollo is the god that raised Chiron the centaur when Chiron mm. was abandoned by Kronos and the nymph Illyria, because Kronos, uh, AKA Saturn, unfortunately raped this poor innocent nymph who transformed herself into a mare. 
and that's how Chiron was born. Chiron was born out of his own will. And he had all these wounds and these pains in his life that weren't inherently his, but he became this powerful healer because Apollo found him in the mountains, trained him to become this brilliant guide. And so there is a very strong connection between Apollo and Ephucus, 1000%. Yeah. Apollo Amazing. is how Ephucus even got his powers. So mm -hmm. it's how, sorry. That that makes that makes a lot of sense because even for the Romans, the um, you know, Eclepius, right, was was represented as the healer. Um, and he learned, like you were saying, the secrets of keeping death away um by 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 doing that healings. And I think also Asclepius translates to in, you know, some sort of way almost like as cut open. Um it, it uh, I saw that it represent uh, it translates to that. Uh, maybe not exactly in that way, but it translates to that as well. So I, I see a lot of, as I was going through it, a lot of the symbolism when it came to, you know, with the healing and uh, being able to discover disease um, in, in comparison, what we already know with a lot of, a lot of the archetypes already in the, in the 12 Zodiacs. Um, so I'm also seeing it as, and I think you just mentioned it briefly and you said it was Ophiuchus can also represent the ascended, the Christ consciousness, right? And that healer figure as well. And yes. it is a part of us as well, because yeah, the serpent represents the wisdom, uh, that, that type of, of knowledge, the kundalini mastering, turning the, you know, the mind from lead to gold as well, you know, with the serpent going up the spine as well. Um, and it's funny how, you know, you have this whole connection with Apollo. And when you look at the sun sign, uh, the sun symbolism in, in astrology, it's the circle with the cross. Um, and when you look at that, I know that there's been saying that it represents, the circle represents the Ouroboros almost in a way too. It's the snake eating its tail. So there's more of the serpent symbolism as well. Um, and then obviously the cross representing the, uh, you know, emanation of the getting to that center point of physical manifestation as well. Um, so, and then the light being the immortal, the immortal rays of life as well. Um, so this, I, I, that's how I've been able to see that with this understanding, since we were talking about the 12 parts of the psyche as well, I could see how this can be the representation of, of us being able to understand now when we're looking at it through the lens of astrology and seeing the deeper meaning of it, um, of being able to kind of maybe even see within our own chart of what's aspecting or what's influencing us to also get to that stage of becoming the, uh, you know, the ascended master in our lives of being able to, uh, you know, raise the chrism in ourselves. I, obviously, yes, there's many deep, you know, deep breathing and, you know, breath work, yoga, tantra, all those things as well, too. But there's many things that we've, we see in our own astrology that we look at that helps us come to those certain awarenesses of ourselves and what to do, like we were saying earlier. So I think that would be a, a major benefit to be able to take into account 
of Ophiuchus in the in your chart um, and see it in that way. Um, as far as like the whole, uh, you know, change it changing your sun sign. I absolutely do feel, of course, when we're looking at it in this way of what you're explaining, that it absolutely does change it in a way. Now, do you feel that that's a major thing to observe or because a lot of people like resonate with their signs? Most of the time when you look at your sidereal chart, you will see that what was once your sun sign mm -hmm. is now a sign for a different planet that makes a lot more sense. I'll mm -hmm. give you an example. In my true sidereal chart, uh, my sun is Aquarius, my moon is 29 degrees Capricorn, okay? So I am no longer a Pisces sun. I am now a sun and Mercury in Aquarius, but my Venus and my midheaven becomes Pisces, which is really interesting because that is the sole work I'm here to do. I'm here mm -hmm. soulfully to help people understand their path. And I have a very strong reputation doing what I do right now. It's how people see me. It's how people know me. It's always been the case. So to me, a lot of people will look at me and, and always tell me, oh, you're so Piscean. But my personality in its essence, I'm very Aquarian. Mm -hmm. I'm very Aquarian. And my moon in 29 degrees Capricorn makes like a ton more sense to me than my 22 degree moon in Aquarius in many different ways. Now, here's something really cool about my true chart as well. It made me make a lot more sense of the perceptions I believe to be true in my tropical chart. And it helped me use these archetypal energies in a more appropriate way in my life. Mm -hmm. So embracing my true Aquarian sun and Mercury have helped me to really hone in on my communication and how I think and different things I can do that really benefit the way that I think and I act and I speak. Kind of highlights for, more for you. And it highlights more. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, another really cool thing that I learned is that my North Node is in a fucus. Mm. So oh, wow. <laughs> that to me was a really big eye opener mm -hmm. for because um, it just made my life purpose make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And I find that wherever a fucus is aspected in one's chart shows where they're really trying to transform mm -hmm. um, in their lifetime. And so it's, it's, it's exciting that this is now becoming more accepted in the world of astrology. Um, I can tell you right now, half of the tropical astrologers, if not more of them that listen to this, are going to be like, girl, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to put me out of business. Let's stick to the tropical <laughs> stuff because everyone, everyone knows and understands the tropical stuff. Let's pretend this conversation. Mm -hmm. never but let's be serious, people. This is the truth. This is a very important part of astrology that has been completely missing for so long. And that's why I've become so passionate about integrating it into my practice as a parallel system, not integrating it, but parallel, because mm -hmm. like I said, astrology is a great tool to look in the mirror. Yeah, I absolutely agree because I mean, one, the daily transcendence, all about speculating, suspending your beliefs, not necessarily um, defining, like you don't have to constantly uh, have to sit with the resonance of this identification, especially if we're trying to 
tap more into our light bodies and trying to be more etheric and get away from some of the densities of life and stuff like that. So this is a perfect spot. I mean, we've literally had even, you know, stationary flat earth discussion on this podcast as well and stuff too. So I think, you know, the, the mainstream narrative, it's okay. I, I, I like to kind of go away from the mainstream because most of the time, if not everybody's looking at it, it most likely is more valuable in a sort of sense, in a way it's more rare and everything. Um, but yeah, so, so another thing I thought about too, is being that Ophiuchus is, you know, basically sharing and in between the constellation of Scorpio and Sagittarius, I was thinking of, even with the archetype of Ophiuchus being the healer, being able to, even with Eclepius cut open as well. There's a little bit of that Scorpio, even Mars aspect of, you know, Mars iron cutting open, um, being able to go beneath and discover the disease, you know, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a physical disease, but it could be a psychological disease while using the higher wisdom, the higher knowledge of the Sagittarian energy as well. That's a really good point too. And, And this also goes back to Chiron. And the story of of even a fucus because Hades is the guy, aka Pluto, that was like, hey, um, a fucus kind of has to go because he's ruining this whole process of cycles, and we don't have enough souls. So a fucus and Pluto have always kind of been like, eh, kind of mm-hmm. weird, anyways. And we all know Pluto is the modern ruler of Scorpio. And Jupiter, which is the classical ruler of Sagittarius, is the one that completely banned Ephucus in the first place. So no wonder Ephucus is completely missing because these two planetary rulers did not want this sign there in the first place for Ephucus, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's a great point to make because it makes a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. so, again, the Greeks had a really funny way of telling a really literal story about what happened in the sky. So, yeah. Absolutely. Because I mean, I I think also when it comes to because I'm sure there's a lot of people that, you know, it it may rattle your ship a little bit because you're like, well, what the hell? I've just, you know, I've I've just started to, you know, come into more of my own understanding and stuff using the tropical astrology and, you know, like, yes, okay, that's that's fine. Because even for myself, like I went from a point where I learned through tropical, uh, you know, Placidus and then um, I started looking at whole sign as well. But one thing I noticed in that was there was a time that I was ready to do that. That's one. And when I was in that time that was ready, I saw basically a lot of the placidus information I was getting was stuff that I had eventually noticed now when I was looking at whole sign that I was looking at and I was like, wow, that's a lot of the work that I've done. You know what I mean? That I've yes. done that. And now yeah, it was like, actually. yeah, whole sign. I started seeing how it was like an involvement of like what's next. So oh I feel like that goodness. can be yes, very, so very true. similar when looking at sidereal. And I also feel like now there's, you know, this is probably right in line with divine timing of when even I should look at sidereal as well. Because I think in sidereal, I would be probably, I think, Aries sun. Right. I think, I think you would be an Aries sun. Yeah. You would be an Aries Which, sun makes i mean it makes sense too i want i mean i have a lot of aries energy in my chart with mercury and venus and stuff but i think there's a little bit more to that as well and this would make a lot more sense too for it and along with so many other things as well um there was something i was going to say about a oh yes that's right 
So, you know, you also said that a fucus is genderless. It also isn't assigned an element as well. It's etheric as well. So what that made me think of was, hmm, what's also, you know, genderless and uh, hermaphrodite in a way or hermetic? Hermes. You had Hermes, which is Thoth. Um, and you could even look at it in that sense that it's kind of like it, it's, it's Scorpio almost mixed with the, um, the mercurial energy as well, which can also represent being able to have the uh, psychological death of the mind in order to resurrect into now the more enlightened or, you know, illuminated type consciousness or the Christ consciousness as well. And it's this, it also has that transformation type energy as well. It's mental healing as yes. well. So, you know, it's, it's crazy. And like we said, because if it's Hermes, then it's Thoth. Thoth. And Hermes and Thoth had the caduceus with the serpents wrapped up above it as well. just about to go back to the caduceus. This is why symbolism is important in a way. We don't, that's, that's why I've, we've constantly, I've constantly stressed too here on the podcast that it's like the symbolism is there because that is a language of us understanding. It's, it's a picture. It's basically, uh, you know, vibrations and frequency and form being created, which therefore creates a manifest reality as well. Absolutely. Not and that's why I say, fingers. it's literally why I say that astrology is a very archetypal and symbolic language that is understood more intuitively first than it is verbally mm -hmm. because and it's the same with all of the symbolism and that's a part of opening up your third eye chakra and opening up your light body more you become more understanding of the connections between different symbols signs and synchronicities in your life and that's something that helps to understand astrology too because it is one of those languages that mm -hmm. fits into that description um it's all very fascinating yeah absolutely yeah i i think i think in the future and stuff we'll probably end up revisiting a fucus as well to kind of discuss more of the methodology behind it when using it in your own personal chart which we've touched a little bit up on and looking in that way so i feel like that was a great introduction to it in a way I would but love to talk about a fucus and Chiron because it's a fucus mm -hmm. and yes. Chiron that work hand in hand together. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that we can go on a whole deep dive on, which I look forward to. Right. And I think we should, because mm -hmm. um, I do believe that this is very important information that mm -hmm. will become very helpful in the future, if not now. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that we're having these conversations and yeah, absolutely. grateful that you're open to having these conversations as well. Yeah, so. You gotta, you gotta be open or else you kind of, you, you might, it's not that you're necessarily missing. I mean, yeah, you, you can miss something, but it's, you're missing something within yourself as well, because now that I'm seeing these connections as well, I'm also now thinking of, yeah, okay. So how, when observing the placement of a fucus in my chart, how can I, with having this type of holistic understanding, the, the alchemical understanding, how can I sit there just like I've used astrology before? How can I apply this in there to come to deeper understanding, deeper understanding or learning of what to do? And then also, because that's probably something for a future, uh, uh, you know, future episode, especially when we talk about a fucus and Chiron, is I'm also getting curious about, okay, now how does that show up for the collective? How does that being read with the collective and you know, the world stage.
this is where we look at Saturn cycles, Uranus cycles, mm -hmm. Neptune cycles, and we can absolutely go into that because it's important to understand where in history this constellation has actually been making waves. Mm. Yeah, so. I'm very, very, very excited to look into that. And I know we'll definitely, definitely go into that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a great spot to leave it off as well. Um, we definitely, like we've said, we will be doing a lot more talks together as well um, between the astrology, more of the mindfulness as well. Um, it's it's going to be a great adventure. I'm glad I'm glad you're here with me and we're and we're doing this. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to talk more about the more outside the box topics within astrology, all aspects mm -hmm. of it. And again, I love tropical astrology just as much as I love true sidereal astrology, and they all have their purposes and uses. And this is the whole idea of talking about them because, you know, everyone's at a different phase of their growth, different phase of their development. And especially when it comes to these ancient healing modalities and these concepts, it's so important to merge them with what's happening right now in order to understand how we are evolving. Um, mm, and so what a, what a time to be doing this. What a time yeah, to be doing this. Absolutely. This is, this is definitely, it's definitely necessary as where we're going through a lot of times of feeling lost and not understanding a lot of things and, you know, increase on certain energies as well. So why not be able to get more familiar and, and comfortable with some of these things and be able to self-reflect and, and start putting to work some of these ideas and thoughts. Yes. Yes. So I definitely look forward to doing more episodes with you as well. That's a, that's a definite thing we're, we're lining up here. Um, there's definitely a lot more to go. Oh, and just so uh, let everybody know where they can find you at uh, with social media, not social media too. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yes. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is mindful magic method, magic with a K. And that's where I post most of my content. Um, I have a website, mindfulmagicmethod.com. And I also really like TikTok. I don't know why. It's, <laughs> it's an app that drives me crazy, but it's really fun to make content on there. I agree. Um, you can check out Amanda Rose Wellness on TikTok, Rose with a zero instead of an O. Um, and honestly, you'll see a lot more content coming from me in the coming months. Um, with respect to courses that I'm releasing and books that I'm going to be releasing. Um, and I'm really stoked to be sharing this information um, with all of you. And so I look forward to connecting and mm -hmm. coming back onto the Daily Transcendence. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I'll make sure to throw those links up um, in the description so where people can reach you as well. So thank you, Amanda. Appreciate it so much. Looking forward to our next talk. Yes, me too. Me too.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 